0: Hey, who here is into video games? Be honest. How many of you? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Raise your hand. Who's into video games? All right. Anyone under, like, 20, raise your hands. How about this? Let's try it this way. Raise your hand if you've ever been slightly addicted to any video game. There you go, because that, that throws in Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, and everything else. I love it how people over 40 like to make fun of this young generation. Yeah, you were the ones dropping quarter after quarter after quarter in there for Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. And you go, yeah, but those were sophisticated games. Really? Really, that's sophisticated. There's nothing to that thing. I remember one that I was kind of addicted to it was uh, Warcraft Two. anybody ever play anybody ever play Warcraft One? That's like, I mean, basically an etch-a-sketch. I mean, it's terrible uh, graphics. But I played Warcraft Two. By the way, not to be confused with World of Warcraft, where nerds believe that that's an alternate universe that you could actually live in. Not that. Talking about the game, this one's pure and simple. It's only got a couple things. you got to capture the gold and kill the orcs. That's it. What could be more fun? So I, I love that game, and I still remember a couple of the maps. There were probably about 60, 70 maps um, that you could play on that thing. Um, and one of them was islands. And I don't know why I liked it so much. I think it was because it, it took a little more strategy. On that one, you would have to use up all the gold on your island. There's like 10 or 12 islands and, and you're out of the game unless you can build a bridge somehow to another island, get there and, and steal the gold there. Obviously, you want to get to an island that doesn't have the orcs on it and has an, an open gold mine that hasn't been used. So if you get there and there's orcs, you're in trouble. That's a bad bridge. You built a foolish one there. If you build a good one and it's deserted, then you get all the gold. So there's a lot more strategy than just getting in there and slaughtering all those orcs. And they're not real, so don't think. That's not very pasturely pasture. Gang, the pretty elementary principle, and you know this, so I'm going to go over a couple of simple things. There's a lot of things, spiritually speaking, I've found that we know, I think in our head. uh, We don't seem to really know in our heart so much. The pretty elementary purpose of a bridge is to make a needed connection from one place to another. Don't drift on me now. A connection that, I wrote down a couple of things, is desirable, obviously. You're not going to sit there and build a bridge to somewhere. I really don't want to get there. I really don't want to be there. People get hurt there. It's a bad place. So let's build a bridge. No, you wouldn't build a bridge. In fact, you'd probably try to make sure you couldn't get there. So you build bridges to places, make connections to places that are beneficial. Uh, You build bridges to places so it's repeatable, so you can get there back and forth over and over again. You build bridges so it's simpler, so it's shorter, so it saves time. There's all kind of reasons, good reasons, uh, to build bridges. Years ago, there was a government project. Now, whether you're Republican or Democrat or neither, there's a lot more neither these days I've noticed rising up with our great country. But there was a big <clears throat> argument in the election, not the last one, but the one um, before with, uh, with Sarah Palin and um, McCain. And, and remember, one of the things that we're trying that, that, that Governor Sarah Palin in Alaska was, was touting was that they needed to get some money and there was some earmarked money for, for Alaska for some good projects. But there was another project there that she didn't want to use it for. It was, it was a bridge that they were going to build from the town of Ketchikan. I've been there before. It's, a I mean, small by our standards, by Charlotte's standards, but big in Alaska. But they were going to build a bridge, multi, multi-million dollar bridge, like hundreds of millions of dollars bridge to the very sparsely populated island of Gravina. And I, I mean, we're talking several hundred people, that's it. And they were going to build this massive bridge there. And she didn't want it. She wanted to use the money for other things. So she said, I'm the one that fought. I fought the bridge to, do you know what it was called? The bridge to nowhere. I fought the bridge to nowhere for obvious reasons, right? You don't want to build a bridge that's especially hundreds of millions of dollars for a stupid reason that that essentially takes you nowhere, or or worse, takes you somewhere bad. Now, if one or none of the reasons exist for building a bridge that I just mentioned earlier, those characters, characteristics, and yet we we still have a bridge in our life, then that's what we have. We have a bridge to nowhere. I mean, if it's not beneficial, it's not good. It doesn't save time. If none of those things are there, then you've built a bridge to nowhere. Many don't give much thought, I've learned this in life, to the bridges that their actions build. As you look at this, I, I realize, especially in America, in American evangelicalism, we build bridges to all kinds of things, but we don't really stop and think what we've done. We just don't. People don't sit there and go, is that a good bridge? I mean, is this helping me? Is this hurting me? We just seem to build them. And whether you realize it or not, you've got a lot of bridges in your life. You and I are either building bridges or we're burning bridges all the time. We're building them or we're burning them all the time. Bridges in relationships with each other. Bridges of forgiveness. Bridges of peacemaking. Bridges of understanding, of support, of sanctification. Bridges that bring us closer to Jesus. Now look look up here. My guess is right about here. Some of you going, that's good, Pastor Ruff. I never really thought of that. I, I, I never thought about building bridges. Now that you mention it, I don't think I've ever really done that, but I'll give it thought now. Seems important. Well, listen, whether you ever thought of it or not or thought you did it or not, you did it. Everyone builds bridges. I have never met anyone, and I never will meet anyone that has never built a bridge. We all do it. They're good, they're bad, but you do it. When you were in school, you were probably taught the Archimedes' principle, Archimedes. Any of you remember that? It's one of those things you were taught that you let go in one ear and out the other. So maybe this will remind you. He came up with the principle of buoyancy. The principle of buoyancy. Fascinating, isn't it? You guys are like, you're losing me, Pastor. Come on, what, what, what is this principle? Well, you know it and you use it. Every time you get in the pool or a boat or a jacuzzi or go on a cruise ship, you're, you're exercising you're living by the principle of buoyancy. <clears throat> According to this principle, here it is in its scientific term, a body immersed in liquid receives an upward thrust from the bottom toward the top equal to the weight of the displaced liquid. You'll be tested on that afterwards. That's the principle of buoyancy. And you may not care, but you use it. You may not have even known it was called that, but you use it. So. That's why a little three or four or five ounce little tiny pebble can sink, while a one hundred ton battleship floats, because of the principle of buoyancy. If you thought it was just a weight thing, then certainly the big heavy battleship would go boom, and the pebble would float. But it's not that. It's not just weight. It's the principle of of displaced liquid and buoyancy. So here's the dealio, folks. Archimedes wasn't just a mathematician. As I looked into this guy a little bit, turns out he was an inventor. He, he strove to be sort of a Thomas Edison of his time. But he didn't invent this principle. Obviously, he didn't invent it any more than Sir Isaac Newton. You know, apparently, he was sitting under an apple tree, and an apple fell and hit him in the head, and he invented gravity, right? That's it. I just didn't. No, he didn't invent it. He what? He just discovered it. In fact, he didn't even really discover it. I really doubt people all the way before he was born would walk off a cliff and just one after the other after the other and going, "Well, I just, I didn't know there was any principle, so we just, no, you know it's out there. All he did was he named it. You're right, he discovered it, but he just kind of put a name to it and he called it gravity, but he didn't discover it. He labeled it because things were sinking and floating. This other guy labeled buoyancy. So now as Paul Harvey used to say, That's the rest of the story. And now you just revealed, whoever said that, that you are probably my age. (laughs) Because some of you are going, who's Paul Harvey? He's gone. He's dead. Never mind. But now you know the rest of the story. But listen, knowing this principle about buoyancy, knowing the principle about gravity and everything, is not going to keep you from, the the principle of buoyancy isn't going to keep you from sinking. I won't sink now, no matter what. Why? Because I know the principle of buoyancy. Well, you'll still sink. They're not connected that way. But here's what's kind of cool. Learning how to leverage the principle of buoyancy will. Learning about it and learning how to use it will keep you from sinking. That should be more exciting than you're taking it, I think. So let's move this to... Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. It's not a big deal on sinking unless you're in the middle of the ocean and you are, are lost and you probably want to know how to stay afloat for a while till they find you. But look, like Archimedes' principle is another principle I want to talk to you about this week and next week called the principle of the giving bridge. And if you're taking notes, just write that down. I I made it up. It's the principle of the giving. Or or let's say I discovered it, but it's been out there all the time. Or let's say I just labeled it. It's actually been labeled a million different ways, but I call it the principle of the giving bridge. It's one of, in fact, I'm hard-pressed to find a more powerful principle in all of life. Than the giving bridge principle but most people never get around to it they live on one side or the other of the giving bridge principle but they don't give much thought to it just like we said before don't really give it much thought never leverage it how can you leverage something if you're not even really aware it's out there so that's a shame how powerful is it that's what you're supposed to ask hey pastor how powerful is this thing should we be afraid very afraid. No, not afraid, but let me tell you how powerful it is. The most well-known verse in all of Scripture talks about the giving bridge. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son, His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, whoever trusts in Him, whoever puts their faith in Him and what He did on the cross would not perish. And that's something that was going to happen. But when you put your trust in Christ, that's not going to happen. But they'd have eternal life. In other words, Jesus came, God gave his son, Jesus gave his life, and together they built the giving bridge. And now there's a way for you and I to be reconciled with God and to come and to go and to have fellowship with him. That's because of the giving bridge. That's the most powerful verse in all of scripture. That's how powerful this principle is. And it goes by another name. Maybe this will make more sense to you or it'll sound familiar. It also goes by the gospel. The gospel. That's the giving bridge. So I want you to write this down. There's good bridges and there's bad bridges. I want you guys to get this so bad that, I, that you need to know that you could be on a bridge that's really bad. And if you don't recognize which bridge you're on, you're certainly not gonna leverage the giving bridge principle. So you gotta know if you're on a good one or a bad one. Good bridges, when you and I create ways for those who don't know Jesus Christ to find out about Jesus Christ and what he did for them, that's a good bridge, right? That's a good bridge. when you give housing to the homeless, when you feed the hungry, when you help others, those are all good bridges. And the longer you travel down a bridge like that, the more they become a part of who you are, the more they get inside you, and the more they transform you to be more like Jesus. Now, when you construct a physical bridge, what do you do? Well, first you first you got to find a location, right? I mean, remember, desirable, beneficial, all that stuff shortens time. So you go, I, I, w- people are really having trouble getting from here to here. Uh, so we need to put a bridge here. Then you design it. What kind of bridge would be best here? And then you gather materials. And you store them up and use them for building this bridge. One of the greatest examples of this bridge Again, is John 3:16. The tricky thing about this bridge, though, that we're talking about today, is that we don't store up materials and start here on this earth and start using them for building the giving bridge because it's a spiritual bridge. But you still got to gather materials to build this bridge. But what's bizarre about it, and I think maybe why so many people don't know about it and don't use it and don't leverage it, is because you actually ship the materials on ahead. I mean, you gather the materials, and then you, you basically store them up in heaven. That's crazy, Pastor Rob. Where did you get that? Did you make that up? No, actually, Matthew 6, 19 through 21 is where I got it. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up instead treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. And thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, that's where the desires of your heart will be as well. Isn't that true, gang? I mean, whatever you invest time and talent and treasures and money, all this stuff into, your heart's going to follow. Your heart's going to follow. So if you live for God and and Jesus, then you're going to love God and Jesus. I mean, if you store things, if you start focusing there, then your heart will follow. You know, sadly, a lot of us think our heart can lead the way, but it really can't. Actions have to be employed at some time. That's why you meet a lot of people who dream big things, but they never accomplish them. You can't just dream them. You can't just desire them. You can't just want this stuff. Eventually, you have to position your life. You have to build a bridge. You have to walk a path that goes that way. Make sense? I mean, if you want to go north, don't head south. Don't head south. Because if you head south because of the South Pole and the North Pole, eventually you will arrive at the South Pole. But you won't arrive at the North Pole. Now east and west, that's a little different because there are no poles. You head east, you'll always be heading east. But if you're on a destination, you say, man, I, I really wanna get to the North Pole, that's why I'm on a boat to the Antarctic. That's not gonna work. You're gonna end up at the South Pole. You're going the wrong direction. You've built a bridge, you've taken a ship the wrong way. So let me say this another way. Don't build all your bridges to connect your heart and your soul to temporary things that that honestly gang, they don't last, they don't matter. Not in the big picture, they just don't matter. Build bridges instead that last. Permanent bridges to heaven. Permanent bridges of eternal value. If all you do is build bridges, let's throw some things out there that I'm talking about. If all you do is build bridges to make more money, uh, bridges to looking and feeling younger. I mean, these are just things you see in our culture all the time, right? I mean, all you gotta do is, is is turn on your computer and have the internet there and ads are going to pop up and, and most of them are about get rich quick. Here's a great financial solution in these tough times or look and feel younger or here's how you can be more comfortable, all kinds of things. But those are things that have a, a pretty early expiration date. They really do. I, I mean, you can't take money with you when you die. You, you've seen the, the, the saying, right? I mean, no, I've never seen a... Uh, a U-Haul attached to a hearse. I mean, you, you, you can't take this. I don't care how rich you were. It is of no benefit whatsoever when you're gone. You can't even take your clothes. Nothing, not a shred of anything. It's just you at that point. You leave this world the way that you came in. And you can't look young forever because there's this thing called old. If you're trying to look young and you're getting older, eventually it's going to cross a line in there and you're going to go the other way. I know what some of you're thinking right now. How come that hasn't happened to you, Pastor Rob? I don't know. <laughs> Eternally young, but it happens to other people. So eventually, you grow old. You get sick. You you, you die. So it seems like if you put all your eggs in that basket, that's kind of a waste. And what if we put all our eggs in comfort? I just want to be comfortable. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to do anything. I don't like to work too hard. I don't want to do... Well, it's okay to be comfortable. It's okay to rest. In fact, God said on the seventh day, you should rest. And there's, there's a rhythm to life. But what happens when that's your only goal? And you put too many eggs and you build all those bridges to make your life comfortable. Well, then it, it sort of morphs into something else, right? We prayed about it in the prayer room today. It's called laziness. So look, you take all these things and they can just shift a little bit. And they can even start out as good bridges, but then they can go bad. Instead, we should seek to build a different kind of bridge, and Matthew 6.33 says that exact word. Seek. Seek first, Jesus said, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first to build bridges to God, to the Savior and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Now, please don't miss that. Did you catch the benefit there of building heavenly bridges versus earthly ones? God always has a better deal. So if you build heavenly bridges, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all, these, all these earthly bridges, your needs, the things you, you fear about, the things you struggle with, they'll be, they'll be taken care of. God promises to take care of those things. So you, you do it his way, he throws that in. You do it the world's way, he doesn't throw his in. Well, the world can't throw that in. So it just makes sense. It's just a better way to live. <clears throat> God promises to take care of the earthly needs. So the best type of bridges are heavenly ones, and the best of all is the giving bridge. But not all bridges are good. I said there's good and bad. There's obviously bad bridges. There's a double whammy that goes with bad bridges too. And that is that they can, and i said this, but the beatings will continue until you get this because this is so important. There are so many bridges in life that you start out, and quite honestly, we talked about a couple of them, I'm going to talk about a couple more. You start out on it, and honestly, they're pure gold. They're fine. They're better than fine. They're good. When you start out on these things, you should be on them. They were built for good reasons, but they're not meant to stay on. They're not meant to camp out on. Proverbs 14:12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Let me give you the Rob Singleton translation. There is a bridge that seems right to man, but that bridge leads to death. So let's break that down on these bad bridges. See, unfortunately, with bad bridges, it's difficult to always know that you're on a bad bridge. It's tough. They look the same as the other bridges, good or bad. And there's a lot of similar characteristics, to make it even more confusing, some start off good, and you stay on them too long, and they go bad. So let me talk to you a couple pseudo good bridges. Comfort, we talked about that already, but how about PC, politically correct? I know some of you probably cringe with that already. And entitlements and things, that actually good, actually good. All these have in common, they start off good. I mean, who doesn't want to be comfortable? By the way, please don't raise your hand because we will make you uncomfortable. I don't want to be comfortable. I like to sleep every night, Pastor Rob, on a bed of nails because that's just the way I am. If I'm comfortable, then I'll make myself bleed. No, no, nobody's like that, really. If you are, something's wrong. Something's majorly wrong. People like to be comfortable. You don't, you don't go for pain just for pain's sake. But again, you're comfortable too long. It's called, it's called laziness. And the reason we even have gang is something called politically correct speech and all that. By the way, I can't stand it because it's run amok, right? We've been on that bridge too long, and we built it too wide, and it's it's just run amok. But why do you think it came in the first place? Because people weren't kind to others and people put others down and people made jokes, racial jokes, and people made uh, jokes about people's mentality and people just were cruel and and people put down what other people valued. And so it began to, to sort of morph into this thing where that's not a politically correct thing to say. And so you need to be PC. But what happens when we get on that bus and everybody's on that bus and you can't ever break that rule? Well, then you're robots and now you can't say anything to really help somebody that honestly needs a good kick in the rear, right? When you need to be honest with them, you can't because it's not politically correct. So you see how that's a good bridge, but it, it goes bad. What about entitlements? Well, they're actually good, they're there for a reason. I don't like the word entitlements, but maybe just helping out. someone, Giving someone a helping hand to get them back on the road to getting a job and to where they can take care of themselves or helping them get a good education. But you go too far with this, and then nobody in in a culture is motivated anymore to do anything great. We just all end up feeling like we all are owed stuff, and so we'll just get out of bed and put in a half effort, and then you give me stuff because I'm me after all. And that's called communism, and that doesn't really work. Right? You don't get high quality work out of, out of that kind of a system because we're owed this. So they can be good in a way and start out good and then they can go bad. So bad bridges are confusing stuff, people. Bridge identification can be a little bit tricky at times. And we can often find ourselves on a bridge to nowhere for weeks and months. I've known people that have been on a pretty much useless bridge their whole life, decades, their whole life without ever realizing it. You and I might actually be hopelessly lost today. You might be sitting out there right now. You might be listening to this thing, and you might be hopelessly lost on a bridge to nowhere and, and not realize it. You don't know when it happened. When you entered the bridge in the first place, you don't even, when did I get on this thing? You have no idea. But you know one thing, and it's a creepy feeling that's just sort of been creeping up your brain. You're like, I... I I'm not in a good place. I'm lost. And there's never that moment where you go, gee, I just got on a bad bridge to selfishness and self-centeredness. Yes, I know when it happened. It happened 311 feet back. I felt it. Boom, I just knew it. Paid the toll on the wrong bridge. That doesn't happen. And you don't say now, right now, the last 10 seconds, I'm miserably lost mired in self-focus and using others to get what I want. I don't like where I'm at, but that's okay. I know that I'm lost and this is bad. I'll simply back up 311 feet and I will be unlost. It doesn't work that way, right? And that's what makes this thing so tricky. This is why most people don't discover the giving bridge and they don't live it. They don't recognize it. They don't understand it. It's so backwards to us. The longest bridge in the world, let me see if I pronounce this right. And I... Now, let me just butcher it. Here it is. The Danyang Kunshan Grand Bridge in China. Say that 10 times fast. Danyang Kunshan Bridge in China. Do we have a picture of it? I believe we do. That bridge is 102 miles long. 102 miles long. And it looks pretty much like that the whole way. Pretty much. So you start driving on that thing, you're probably not going to be looking at every little mile mark and go, this is so different, this is so beautiful, this is so creative. It looks the same the whole way for an hour, just just driving along the things. You can be on that thing for an awfully long time and completely zone out. You ever zone out when you're driving? When start. Driving, have you ever driven in, in, in maybe a five-hour drive and you looked at the clock and next time you looked at it, an hour went by? you have no idea where you drove from. You weren't even, you're going, how, how did I, how am I alive? <laughs> I, I haven't paid a I've been listen to a song going, yeah, we are the champions, my friend. An hour goes by, right? And you go, I don't, I don't remember the signs. I don't remember crossing the, the line from North Carolina to South Carolina. Cause you just zoned out. Not that I do that. And not that I'm gonna remember, think of the song from Queen. I don't know where that came from. But yeah, we can sort of zone out on that and and not even realizing it. Sometimes I don't know how long. Sometimes you don't know how long you've been on a destructive bridge to nowhere before you realize that you are completely lost and not living the way that God intended for you to live. Now, I know I kind of got elementary on that and beat it, but it's vital because, listen, because the bridge determines the destination. Does that make sense? If you want to end up somewhere in life, I'm telling you the bridge determines the destination. You can't get on a bridge to selfishness if you're saying the one thing I want to do is I admire Mother Teresa. I want to be like that. Well, if you get on a bridge to selfishness, you're, you're not going to end up there. You can't. You chose the wrong bridge. The bridge determines the destination every time. What about dreams? They're great. I I dream and I I... I I wrote down a lot of goals, and I really, really want to be a giving person, and I have good intentions. I have even pray. I pray every day that I'll end up that way, and that's good, but it really doesn't matter if you're on the wrong bridge. It really doesn't matter. You're going in the wrong direction. Good intentions aren't going to end you up in the right place. The bridge I take determines my ultimate destination. Pastor Rob, I don't think I agree because I've read a lot of New York Times bestsellers on the life that I want. I have a life plan. I have, get ready, I have a life coach. I've got a life coach, so I know I'm gonna end up right. But can I point out that you're headed for the South Pole and you wanna go to the North Pole? Doesn't matter. How do you know it doesn't matter? Because my life coach told me it doesn't matter. He says I have a great attitude. He says my dreams are audacious. They're incredible. Wow, they're, but, but can I just point out That you're headed south. You're on a path, you're on a bridge, you're on a boat that's going south. You can't end up north. It's impossible. I don't want to hear it. La 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 la. I don't want to hear it. Pastor Rob, I have dreams. You're crushing my dreams, Pastor Rob. No, I'm giving you reality. It's impossible. You, You can't end up there no matter how much you want it. Books, plans, life coaches, expectations, cheerleaders, none of that counts. That's not right. I shouldn't say it doesn't count. Actually. If you're on the right bridge, those things count greatly. And those things are fantastic. Having people cheer you on, having people encourage you, praying the word of God, dreaming big for him, if you're on the right bridge, can help you soar. But if you're on the wrong bridge, none of that's going to matter. You're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. I'm just being honest with you. It's reality. I always end up where the bridge I've chosen points. And that, my friends, is the theme of these this week and next week. Pretty simple, but amazing how much we don't get it. Number three, if you're taking notes, God saved the world by creating a giving bridge. God saved the world this way. Again, John 3.16, the most well-known verse in the Bible. And isn't it like this? I say we know these things, we don't live by it. I'm telling you, the world knows John 3.16. All you gotta do is turn on the TV to the fake wrestling, I mean real wrestling on TV, and, and they've basically abused that verse, Right? Or, you know, you used to be able to see it in the end zone on football, John 3, 6, I mean, the world even knows this verse. We, a lot of people can recite it who aren't even Christians. But we don't really know what it means. It's talking about the giving bridge. Created in God's image. And then he came and he, 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 God the Father sent his son. Jesus came and gave his life because we got off that image. We sinned and we said we want to go our own way and we marred it and we destroyed it. But God said, I made you and I love you and you are potential sons and daughters and I want to bring you back home so I will make a bridge. And through your trust and your belief, you can cross and come back home again. The whole Bible, the whole gospel is about the giving bridge. And we memorize verses and we look at it but we don't even realize how important this is. In fact, the quickest way back to God is the giving bridge. It can happen that fast. Now, I want you to get ready, hold on to your theater type seats because this is the part where people get a little bit edgy. It's also the part that can get you quickly on the right bridge. Do you know what the training wheels of giving are? Some of you are going, Nope, don't care. Don't know, don't care. You should care. Because not many kids I know, you know, maybe five, six years old, were put on a Yamaha 450 motorcycle, revved up with the clutch held in by their daddy and mommy, and then you put Junior on there and he's six, and you go, hold on tight, and you let go of the clutch. (laughs) That's going to go, right? And we don't start them that way. We start them on a little bike with training wheels. And we don't say to a little baby, you know, Will and Karis have little Oliver. I'm not going to be their mean pastor and pick up Oliver and kind of put him down and go, walk. (laughs) He's not ready. Uh, He's not old enough, so he'll go, right? He will fall down because he's got to learn to crawl, then walk, then run. Guess what the training wheels of giving are? Tithing. Tithing is the training wheels of generosity. Now, right about here is where you get a lot of nods and people are like, "Preacher, Pastor. I wholeheartedly agree with you. That's why I tip God every week. Man, when I, I am blessed by God, every good thing comes from him. I've heard you preach that for years. And every now and then, I will put a fiber in the plate just to remind me of how good God is. Well, good for you. But I didn't say that tipping is the training wheels of generosity. I said, tithing is a training wheels. Tithing isn't the Hebrew word for tipping. Tithing isn't even the Hebrew word for giving. Tithing is the Hebrew word for 10. Tenth. That's what it literally means. So if somebody's tithing, they're really tenthing, giving 10%. So whenever any pastor preaches on stewardship, here's what I found out. Because years I've been doing this, or generosity, And the word tithing comes up. There's always a handful of people that sort of sit back and go, I'm not listening to that because tithing isn't for today, Pastor Rob. Don't you know that? I know that. You've been to seminary. How is it that I know that and you don't know that? Because you know something that is not in the Bible. That's Old Testament law. And when Jesus came, Pastor Rob, he said he was going to abolish the law. Did he really? Show me. Show me where he said that. He said it in the gospel. There's four of them. Which one? The disciple. The one. The disciple wrote. That's narrowed down to two. Which disciple? Matthew. Good. That's true. But where in Matthew? I'll help you out. Matthew 5:17. If you want to go there, it's Matthew 5:17. That's what they're talking about. It says, however, remember they're saying I don't tithe because that's Old Testament. I'm beyond that. They're saying Jesus came to abolish the law. But here's what it actually says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. That doesn't even sound like I came to abolish it. It said, don't think I came to abolish it. But I have come not to abolish it. There's two times in one verse, in case you miss it. I came to fulfill them. Do you know what that means, gang? That means Jesus did not come to do away with all those things. Those were a picture. Those were a shadow. Jesus is the shadow caster. He's the fulfiller. He's the perfect. And he says, you know what? That just kind of gave you a picture of what it could be like, but you have no hope of really obeying that. It's a hard thing to follow. I came to fulfill it. So if anything, that's training wheels. Now we're going to be living under grace, and we'll see what it's really like to be generous. So not only did Jesus never say that, sounds like he anticipated this very cop-out and made it crystal clear that we should not even think it. Do not think I came to abolish the law. You have that wrong. What he's really saying, is the Old Testament tithe was the training wheels to get us ready for God's grace. To get us ready to really learn how to ride. New Testament Christians should be racing motocross, not pedaling around in their driveways on the very first bike they ever got with the little basket and the horn. They shouldn't be there. We should be modeling lives so radically transformed by God's grace that we end up more sacrificial and generous than anybody was in the Old Testament, not less, not less. You know what God sees tithing as? By the way, I get this from his word. I'm not making this up, but this is what he says. He sees it as a child's first steps, not the best she'll ever do. A child's first steps towards understanding what Jesus is like. Not the, not the best you're ever gonna do. A good beginning, one which your parents cheer and celebrate, maybe even Facebook about. Look, Johnny, Susie, walk today. 10 steps. I guarantee you mom's gonna Facebook about that. I guarantee you they're gonna cheer. But when it's time to go to college, if they're still sucking their thumb and saying, please feed me and I won't walk, no cheering, probably no college money either. Probably know, I mean, we're not cheering anymore. We're going, what happened to you? You're still on the training wheels. You're still a baby. Tithing is bridge building 101. It's like laying a board across a creek when you're six years old. And you, yeah, I mean, you, you want to jump the creek and, and you're, you're there with some of your friends. I used to do this when I was little. And you get a board and you lay it across the thing and you walk away. Well, you just built your first bridge, didn't you? Okay, but try using that method to get... To, to build the, the, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Let's just put some boards across that thing. Well, that, see, that, that's not going to work. I mean, bridge building, when you do it magnificent and, and hundreds of thousands are traveling across that thing, better be better than that, than what you did as a child. Gang, if we're really honest, I think, with ourselves, it's not hard to see the power and beauty of living a generous life versus the anemic repulsiveness of a selfish one. Is, is, am I wrong on that? I mean, you read about or see someone like Mother Teresa or or Billy Graham, and I'll probably step on toes here and everything. But you look at a guy like Billy Graham and and the ministry that he did. You know, he would never take a salary above fifty thousand. I mean, you look at some people now in ministry, and and that's humbling. And you think, man, I mean, he could have probably justified a million, easy, but but he just wouldn't do it. Why? Because he Not that he he didn't deserve it or earn it. He just said, I don't want anything to stand in the way. I want anything to stand in the way of the people that I was called to reach. And if that causes some people to weird out a little bit, then I've lost those people. So I don't want that there. I want to remove all barriers because it's not about me. Well, that's a mature Christian. That's someone that lives on the giving bridge. Mother Teresa wasn't real worried about that. She's not like, I've got to help the poor today, but I don't have my ride. Where's my Mercedes so I can get there? No, she didn't have that, right? And we look at her and we go, wow, I wish I could be more like her. What's it take to be more like her? Well, she lives on the giving, lived on the giving bridge versus the selfish bridge. Well, how do we move from bridges to nowhere to building the most important one possible? How do we do that, Pastor Rob? You've made a good case. I'm going to make more next week, but I, I don't even, how do I get there? How do I get started? How do I find the giving bridge? One thing that always bothered me about, I used to live in the Northeast for a little while, always bothered me about some bridges. You know how they make you pay a toll? Why do I have to pay a toll to use this bridge? Some bridges not, but the really elaborate ones, usually you gotta pay a toll before you use it. Well, there's a good spiritual lesson in there. It costs a lot of money, a lot more money to build that bridge than it does just to, to, if it was just paved road of the same distance. Truth is, living all out for God is a sacrifice. You really want a bridge to somewhere worthwhile? You're going to have to sacrifice a little bit. Costs a little bit of money. You want to live out all out for God? It, it's going to be a little bit of a sacrifice. It's going to be a lot of a sacrifice. To become more like Jesus can't just be a desire or a dream or something in our, in our head. It's not really let go and let God. It's partnership. It needs to be intentional. It needs to be a path that, that we're very intentional about. Listen, I know this leads there. I know it's hard, but I've got to be on this one to get there. A purposeful bridge that we build. It needs to move from head knowledge to the heart and eventually to action. See, you can even, people go, we got to move this from the head to the heart to really live. No, it's not done yet. You got to move it from the head to the heart, to the hands, to the feet. It's got to move to action. So how do we find the giving bridge? How do we get on the giving bridge? Well, we start giving. We start giving. And the very first place to start is to give to the bride of Jesus Christ, his church. By the way, no matter where you go, oh, here it comes. This is where he gets it all directed to impact. That was good, Pastor Rob. That was good. No, any church. If this isn't your church, then whatever your home church is, that's where you start because that's the wife, the bride of the Son of God. Some of you are like, well, I'm not going to do it that way. Pastor Rob, I don't think I will. I'm going to give, I'm going to start giving and becoming this, I'm going to give it to the United Way. I like them better. Or I might just keep my eyes peeled from now on for the homeless people with the cardboard signs. I don't usually notice them. I'm going to make an effort now. I'm going to be laser focused on. Well, let me ask you something. If you were wanting to become more like Jesus Christ, but you had a problem robbing liquor stores, it's just a little issue you have. You rob about 12 a year on average, could you counterbalance that by deciding to feed the homeless once a month? Pastor Rob, I do rob liquor stores. I wish you wouldn't tell anyone because I I don't think the law would like it. I I have a problem with that, but I don't think God's mad at me because I give to the United Way. I actually give 10% of what I robbed from the liquor store to the United Way. Well, good for you. That's great, but somehow I'm betting that's sitting in your mind. You're going, ooh, that doesn't that doesn't really sound right, does it? Anyone? Bueller? Anybody? Doesn't sound right. Then why is it that people say silly things like, "I'm going to get closer to God by reading the Bible and praying more," but I'm still going to rob God and steal from Him? Whoa, Pastor! <laughs> I've never said that. Hold on, preacher boy. No one's talking about robbing God here. A little extreme. You're always over the top just a bit. Actually, someone is talking about it. God. Well, I didn't use that word. I don't like that word, robbing. I like that word, by the way, because the root word of robbing is robbing. That's my name. It's a good word. It's not that bad. But by the way, it's not my word. It's his. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. For I, the Lord, do not change. By the way, that's another argument against... That was Old Testament, not... God doesn't change. We might, but he doesn't. He might unravel. Th- I mean, he might unveil things and reveal them progressively more about himself, but he's not changing. God is not a God of oops. Oops, I messed that up. Let me redo it. No, he just unveils for us. For I the Lord God, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, you, Israel, are not consumed. I don't change because if I did, I'd be so mad right now, I'd squash you like a bug is what he's saying. From the days of your fathers, you've turned aside from my rules and statutes and my commandments, and you haven't kept them. So return to me now, and I'll return to you, says the Lord. Build a bridge to me, and I will use that bridge to you, says the Lord. How, you say, how shall we return? Verse 8, well, will a man rob God? Doesn't that seem like a real shift in the subject there, a little ADD? Return to me, I'll return to you. How do we return to you? Well, let me ask you something. Will a man steal from God? Do you think that works out? I thought we were talking about building bridges. Hang on a second. Let me just tell you. Will a man rob God? Because you're robbing me. But you say, I I don't think so, God. How have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions. And you're cursed with a curse. Your life is cursed because you're robbing me. You want to know the reason the whole nation is cursed? Because of that. So here's how you turn it around and build a bridge. From now on, bring the full tithe. What does the word tithe mean? Bring the full tenth into the storehouse that there may be food and abundance for you and therefore, and thereby put me to the test. By the way, it's the only thing God ever says to test him on. So you better pay attention. Put me to the test, says the Lord God of hosts, and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven for you and pour down blessing upon blessing for you. I want you to test me in this. I'm not having a financial crisis. I'm trying to change your heart, trying to get you on the giving bridge, trying to make you more like my son, but you gotta make a move. And the first move better not be, robbing me. The Israelites were living the good life at this point time, they're, 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 but they're leaving God completely out of it. And God had a word for that, robbing. When we don't give God the first fruits, he calls it stealing from him, robbing from him. So what's one of our first steps in the journey to becoming more like Jesus? Stop robbing God start giving God the first fruits, a tithe, a tenth. Now some of you are thinking, this is good, Pastor Rob, good for them. Not good for me, because you see, I can't. I don't know if you realize this. About 2007, there was an economic downturn. A lot of things have adjusted for me, so I cannot tithe. So I'm exempt. Maybe I can give 1%. Perhaps two. I mean, Pastor Rob, I haven't been given at all, so surely God would understand moving forward a little bit and the good intentions. Well, would you understand if you started across a bridge that was only 2% finished? I wouldn't. But if you hit the gas, trusting that that thing was done, you, you wouldn't understand. But listen, I get it. If you, give, if you start out at 3% or 5% or whatever, which is not what the Bible says, but it's certainly better than nothing. But suppose I told you, let's go back to the robbing thing, not liquor stores, Banks. Suppose I told you, as your pastor, I think I have a lot of things I've, I've got under control and that I'm living all out for God. I do rob banks. I hope y'all will come back to Impact Church. I do have that issue. I, I rob banks. I, I knock off a dozen a year. Then I say, this year, though, I have been convicted. I'm only going to rob six. You should be more impressed. That's a, that's a pretty big move in the right direction, don't you think? But I'm thinking you're not impressed. you're probably thinking, granted, that's an improvement, Butch Cassidy, but we'd like to see you do a little bit better. What would you advise me to do, gang? I'll speak for you. Yes. Stop robbing God. Don't don't rob six banks. Pastor Rob, don't, don't rob five, four, three. Don't rob any. Stop robbing banks. Period. Surely the solution, gang, to robbing almighty God is not to start robbing him less. It's to stop robbing him at all. But God understands. And I believe that's why he encourages us more in this area than perhaps any other by attaching a test and a promise like this. And he says, come on, my children, try it. Take those training wheels off. Let's go. Just give it. I'll put those on and you'll get on the bike and you'll see this can be fun and then we'll soar together. But you gotta make a move. Listen, honestly, the first 10% is not mine. God says to you, it's all mine. (laughs) It's all mine. No, it isn't. I got 4.0 and I got a scholarship to college. I gave you that brain. I can take it back. I gave you every good thing you have. Well, I'm a great athlete. I make $3 million a year. I gave you that ability. I can take it back. It's all mine. Everything you have, every good thing is mine. I don't want it. I don't even need it, but I want your heart. So when you get a big pile of stuff, take the best and the first 10% right off the top and give it to me, thus freeing up your heart from any other gods. It's good for you. It puts you on the giving bridge. It helps you become more like my son. Now listen, I wish we had more time to do this, but here's how I want to finish today. If you leave here today and you decide, this is good, I'm going to think about it. In the weeks ahead, I may give it some more thought. You're going to end up exactly where you are. You will stay on the bridge away from God. You will not get on the giving bridge. This is hard. But there's only one way to do it. I know there's a lot of reasons not to do this. Believe me. I've been through them all until I married a woman who wanted to increase our diet a percent every year that we're married. And she taught me so much about generosity and and, and I wouldn't do it any other way I wouldn't go back it's a beautiful way to live but listen if you just go and you think about it all the time that you're going to die on that bridge and you will not be more like Jesus now there's a lot of ways that we can do this and I think Kendall was this is a new era that we live in sometimes we pass the in fact we're getting ready to give back to God right now we're going to pass the offering basket that's one way to give back you'll see up here on the screen in just a moment that you can go to our website Impact Church Online, and you can hit the Give tab, and it'll set you up on either um, recurring giving or or one-time gift. You can go to the app if you've got iPhones. If you have Androids, then you're sending anyway, and this won't work. But if you go to the app, you can do the same thing there. If you go to the kiosk, which is right there by the door when you guys leave, you can give there. Uh, You can do online banking. I know that there's a million and one different ways to do it, but the point is get started and do it one of the things that we like to do our families we like to set up recurring giving because sometimes we we forget or sometimes we have reasons sometimes different God's battle for my heart and I I see a week and I go this would be a week when I I, I should just rob God a little bit so sort of locking myself in not only helps this church more but it helps helps keep me committed so that I don't have to fight this battle every single week gang I know that Satan is probably whispering in your ear right now. I get it. I've preached on this for more than 20 years. Jesus preached more on giving and stewardship than he did heaven and hell and faith and prayer combined. So there must be something to it. I mean, he wants it. we're made in his image and he wants us to be returned to that image and to be more like him. So why would he talk about stewardship more than all those wonderful things combined? Because the thing that's gonna keep you from being like Christ the most is poor stewardship is not realizing who all the good things you have come from so why not take today to get it right we want this to be more than a church we want it to be a movement that's i promise you never going to happen unless we are unless we value generosity and become a a generous church then we'll just take off thank you nicole can always count on you so as you get ready to give back to god your tithes and offerings I challenge you to pray that today would be the beginning of of a life of stewardship instead of another day that you just tip God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this, this lesson, Lord. Thank you for how much you talk about giving in your word. Lord, I've never been in all my time in ministry faithful enough in preaching in this. Sometimes I've let two years go by before preaching on it because I just dread how people react. And yet you talked about it all the time. 48% of the stories the parables you told had something to do with money and stewardship so God help us to quit arguing with you time is short and the mission is so important eternity is still forever hell is still hot and these things matter God may they matter to us more than ever at Impact Church we love you and pray these things in Jesus name Amen.